Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What's up? We're putting our headphones on. We're just in here talking. We don't, we're don't. we not doing a radio show or anything. Yeah, so, just, uh, just catch that ball off. Though. Yeah, Lucas was pointing at me and talking. I was nodding like, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, well, I mean. I'm going to get these on here. I thought we went on at, uh, at, at 2, like 102. Oh, dude, this, we're right on time today. Yeah, yeah. Buck Rising G bailed out right on time. I mean, we are perfect on time today. Uh, you know why we're on time? Because it's Lucas's birthday. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, man. How, how old are you? Let me you guess. You look like you're about 25. 25. Oh, you're so close. Oh. 26. 26? Oh, so, well, yesterday you were 25. I was 25 at midnight or until about 5 a.m. this morning. Okay. Oh, man, boy, do you remember when you were 26? What were you doing, Mickey, at 26? Where were you? I was in I was in uh, Northeast Arkansas. <laughs> Were you doing TV? I was no no no. My Odyssey had not led me. Uh, you were oh, still no. go, you were still doing music? No. Uh, oh no no! I was, I was oh. about to go into <laughs> That's TV. What you did? I was about oh, to you go were into where, TV. You were in Bowling Green? No, I wasn't there yet. Nor was I working TV in Jonesboro. I was selling pharmaceuticals then. Oh, I had a trunk load of drug samples. That's I, another career I didn't know you oh, had. Oh, see, yeah, you put it out there. You never mentioned that you were a pharmaceutical salesperson. Okay, here, well, here's what one company? for you. Here's one for you. And what were you selling? I launched <laughs> the drug Ambien, <laughs> which is taken all over the world today. And you are the culprit <laughs> to, <laughs> oh, no. to spread it all over the place. Oh, my God. And this, in those days. I would have kept it to myself, man. Hey, man, we got to watch out. We got winners around here, man. <laughs> there, there are. So now, in those days, really? that's a true story. Yeah, I, I lived in a house with three of my friends. We had a, a sun porch on the house that we rented. We rented this crappy old house. And there was a sun porch that the door didn't even lock. And on the sun porch, I found like an uncle of mine had an old metal cabinet. And I said, can I have this? And he's like, oh, sure, I'll bring it to your house next time I come up see mama. So he brought me this metal cabinet. <laughs> and I just drug it out and put it on the sun porch. And it was filled with Ambien oh, and all this medicine. Like People thousands could just walk of dollars. Up and get it. Anybody could have And I think that's it. how I got spread. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody yeah. could have taken it. I had birth control pills. I oh, had everything. My. I think oh, that's what my. you talk about with their seat of recovery. Who would have yeah. thought? Well, I mean, not from Ambien, we but maybe. We talking maybe. about you were the opioid spreader. I was not. I had no <laughs> opioids. I had zero opioids that I sold. I sold oh, a drug. Oh, I'm so disappointed in you. I sold a drug. I don't even know if they make it anymore called Cytotech. Cytotech, and you took it with NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. So Cytotech was... <laughs> Who would have thought we were going to talk about this? <laughs> okay, this was the 90s. This is 25 years ago. It was a prostaglandin analog. I studied this stuff. I still remember it all, and that was that long ago. I that had to was know like 97? In 96. Six? 90, so what it was, when you take too many NSAIDs... I don't it, know what you're talking about. It can about. tear up your stomach, like oh. Advil, anything like that, or Naproxen or Naproxen. Oh, okay. So you probably took some of that Advil. as a football player. Advil, yeah. Advil. Mm -hmm. So if you take too much of that stuff, it can tear up your stomach lining. Oh, you, they, oh, you can get kidneys. Something it can happen to your kidneys? Well, depending on, that was Cataflam and Volterra, and that was. Oh, okay. Uh, I see you're a specialist. That was Diclofenac too. was the drug that did <laughs> that. That's how we, I don't even know what that stuff is you're talking about. I haven't studied this stuff in 25 years, and it just rolls right out. Oh, wow. It rolls so right those out. Those are the ones that. There was one study that said, and I'm not, if you're the drug rep for that stuff, although it's generic now. But anyway, uh, I hope I'm not pissing off you any drug reps or Did you have a territory? Or yeah, you... I had a territory. It was more of Northeast Arkansas oh, so and the you, boot hill you, of Missouri. I went to Poplar manager? Bluff. No, I didn't stay long <laughs> enough to be a manager. But well, I sold this drug called Cytotec, and you took it supposedly. It was going to be this revolutionary drug that you would take it with your inset, and it 
then you wouldn't have problems that it kind of lines your stomach in a way. I'm okay. not getting too scientific that it would keep your stomach from getting an ulcer. Yeah, yeah, this, this, this is a break. This, this is a sports talk radio, so you are tuned in to Blaine and yes, Mickey here I, on 104.5 The Zone. But I wanted you to finish just World in case somebody series. turned and go, Oh, what? Okay. somebody else is on here. So this stuff is going to be a revolutionary thing. <laughs> this is what you're teaching to all Lucas on his birthday? Yes, Lucas, don't take this stuff. So so this stuff, you always got a physician nationally who would endorse a drug for you and say, I'm taking it myself, and here's a paper I wrote and whatever, and they would speak for you. They hired this guy to speak on Cytotech, and at that time you are supposed to take it like four pills a day or whatever. True story. This guy takes it. He had tennis elbow. Takes his inset, takes his side attack, like made an appearance on behalf of it. And it turns out it was a phenomenal laxative. And this dude went and got his car and pooped in it. Oh my he God. He pooped his pants oh. after he did the talk on the drug. And so we'll wind that in, not knowing that you were a I was 26 pharmaceutical cell yet, asked you what you were doing at 26, like Lucas since it's his birthday. 26 but, years old. But someone who pooped in their pants was the Kansas City Chief. So. And so we can move. <laughs> Our director of content steers Reed, the boat back into the water here. If we see a reduced Andy Reid <laughs> in size, we'll know that he he had uh, been to the bathroom. But that, I did not know that about your career. So it's realtor, musician, uh, radio host, associate athletic director, real estate, uh, television anchor. Uh, yeah, realtor, commercial and, actor. Uh, I worked in retail for years for Dillard's. Uh, I was a manager for Dillard's for a while. And Blaine, you were in what year three with the? Was it still the 90s. Oilers? Uh ninety six. That was a, a horrible time. But now you weren't twenty six then, because you're you're a couple of years younger than my old self. I guess. Oh, so yeah. Uh, twenty six. Yeah. Were you a Titan yet? No, we. I think we we were still in uh, ninety six. We were still in uh, Houston. So that was our last year. We were still in the Astrodome. We, we, we were lame ducks. <laughs> That's how I know what losing's like. I think we only won two games that year. Oh, and you talking about where it, the I'm pissed off for greatness. Started that year. I was perturbed. Dudes was just quitting out there. They was like, yeah, well, we got beat. I'm like, dude, we got another half. So I would just run around and just start hitting people just because I'm pissed off we sorry. I- I've never been part of anything that was sorry. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> that was, Sorry, two games. Go look it up. Did we win two games that year? It, it, they called it lame duck season. And it was because we barely had fans in the stands, I would say. Well, know, no, your last. 10,000. That was the last year we were in, in the Dome. Yeah, because we moved here in 97. So everybody knew you were leaving? You went 8-8. Eight yes. eight. No, we games. did not. Yeah. No, not no. that's the first year here. Oh, the no, last year in Houston. Houston. Yeah. Oh. yeah. We were lame duck. They gave it the title. Yeah, it might have been John McClain who did that. What was it like looking in the stands? And it, no was like, would... it was like, hello, 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 hello. Then it says, goodbye, goodbye, <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was said. Yeah, it was horrible. It, it felt like it was only, you know, 10,000 fans in the Astrodome. It was, man. Yeah, the Love You Blue days were done Donald. Yeah. 1996. So, yeah. 96, it says the Oilers were 8-8. Eight eight. We were 8-8? Eight eight? Oh, so you're right. Well, we, 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 we win two games. 94, you guys were 2-14 and in 94. Oh. 90, so you're right, Mickey. I can't. I, I just remember 96? that because that's, you're where the, that's where all the Jeff Fisher jokes came from. Fisher took over in '94 when y'all yeah, won two games. He coached yeah, the last I remember six. '96, we were eight and eight. Yeah. Oh, that was horrible. And it, and it felt horrible because we we went and went. I mean, nobody was at the games. And I'm looking at Pro Football uh, Reference, which is my favorite website what, in the world. Blaine Bishop was 26 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. You were 26 years old. 
I don't know. I think they got it wrong, man. You believe everything you read on Wikipedia, man. Strong safety. You had one interception uh, with six-yard return. Well, guess who? You had one forced fumble. I'd have to look at that. You led the team in tackles. You had 109. Michael Barrow had 106. Oh. You led the team in tackles. Yeah. They still screwed me up probably about 50 tackles. (laughs) Dude, do you know who was the leading sacker on that team? I can't even remember. I thought we were only one, two games. So, um... In 96. Yes. Um, You'll never get this. I'm going to go with Anthony Cook. You got it. (laughs) You got that. That dude, he only played like five years in the league. He led you guys in sacks that year. Oh, at least I got that sack. You remember that? that? How do I remember that? Because remember in 96, we won uh, eight games. (laughs) He was was 24. I'm sure you thought, we're on a rocket ship with Anthony Cook. Did he go to South Carolina State? He went to South Carolina State. Yeah, because I thought he was, when we moved here, I thought he was just going to like blow up like he was going to be like a staple God, and then he kind of went downhill after that. I, I don't think he stopped working out. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Six three, uh, two ninety. He was a really good athlete too. Five. Mm-hmm. Yep. He lasted until ninety eight. Then he played one more year in Washington, and that was it. Yeah, he was. He, he played here till he was twenty six. Lucas is Lucas. Twenty six is just the number today. So he he got four five years in. You said he the, got five years. Wow. Four in Houston. Uh, well, two in Houston, one in Memphis, one at Vandy, and then one in Washington. So he was another. He was an oiler and a Titan. He was a Titan? I don't think he was ever Oh, no, he was an oiler and an oiler. Yeah, he was an oiler and then an oiler, but he never made it to be a Titan. That's yeah. another one of those trivia yeah, questions. He could, man. He was, man, I don't know how he fell off a cliff like that. He's a good player. He had four and a half sacks year one. He had seven and a half year two. He led the team. Then he had zero. Then he had two. Then he had three. So I said, he, he just gone. fell off the cliff. Yeah. He got complacent. He can get better. See? Guys got to keep working. I got seven and a half sacks in I'm year good. two, man. That's good. What I Figured did it last out. Mm-hmm. Ain't going to change nothing. Nah. Nah. Yep. Got comfortable. Don't get comfortable, kids. Mm-mm. I always feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Doug That's what we're doing today since we're feeling real comfortable with Lucas's birthday. birthday. That's Who, right. Watch this. Who was the first person outside of your family to wish you happy birthday today? I'm thoroughly disappointed in myself because I wanted to be first. I wanted to like text you like at six while I was on my Peloton bike or something, but I forgot. No, you were up there. You texted me pretty early. Well, let me see. You texted me. I got to sift through all the birthday texts. There's just oh. so many. I tweeted. I feel bad <laughs> that I didn't text. Well, I tweeted too, but that was <laughs> I after. tweeded and Facebook. Blaine, I Facebook Blaine tripled early. down. Blaine messaged me on LinkedIn, tweeted me, and texted me. Bang! Nothing is worse than a birthday message on LinkedIn. I hate, <laughs> I hate LinkedIn. Well, I the only love person. wishing happy birthdays to everybody on LinkedIn. <laughs> People <laughs> I haven't seen or talked to in years. <laughs> I'm that guy. <laughs> Boom, sin! Blaine, at 8 a.m., I think Blaine might be the first non-girlfriend slash family that texted me. Okay, check the timestamp on Facebook because I've got to be pretty good on there. Oh. I was super early on Facebook. And I, I hardly ever check my Facebook. I, I, I did my, not my have a Facebook message from you. No, oh. I posted. I posted, Chuck. Oh, on Mutch. Facebook? Yeah, I oh, posted you on your wall. Said, you said check. Oh, see, on the wall. Oh, God, I haven't even looked at my Facebook. His generation doesn't even go to Facebook. What yeah, are you I doing? Know. I, know. I wish everybody on Facebook every day a happy birthday. Well, then, yeah, why like why is that so cool and then not doing it? Watch this. And not doing it on LinkedIn. I hate LinkedIn. <laughs> what? Why I hate is, it. Why is LinkedIn not, not LinkedIn cool? is the LinkedIn of social media. I hate it. I don't want to read your study about how, you know, I, I just, I don't, I don't. 
If I was a real business person, I'm sure I would use LinkedIn more. But this isn't business. This is like Disney World, the sports. Happy birthday is, is business. I know. But oh, man. He, he remembered my birthday. Well, everybody does remember birthday. message on LinkedIn like well, six weeks after my birthday. Of all the strangers I've never met or heard of that messaged me happy birthday on LinkedIn, it was good to see a familiar face in Blaine <laughs> in, in my inbox there. I may just shut down my LinkedIn before my birthday. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know me. I, You're dead there face are too. things that I don't like. I know. That's why this I is hate weird. LinkedIn. Man, LinkedIn is, oh, I like LinkedIn. I just man. know, like, if they come in and fire me, I may need LinkedIn. So I'm trying to stay on there just so I can be relevant in business. But I'm going to have to invent some skills. Like, if they invent fire some me, skills. I don't have man, we just You just listed all your skills since you were 26. Well, I, st- I can still sell pharmaceuticals if they need me to sell products from the mid-90s because I remember everything about hey, them. Watch this. I, I don't know what pharmaceutical he's in, but he is the territory regional manager, and that is yours truly, Joey Kent. Oh, Joey Kent's <laughs> big time in that world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he probably has a new Ford Taurus. Yeah, yep, or a Bronco. <laughs> he better not get a Bronco. Joey Kent, we love you, man. Man, we, we got to put out there, Mickey hates LinkedIn. What uh, social media do you... That. You know what we should put out? That's not what on the What social script. media do you hate the most? <laughs> yes. All right, that's going up on Blade and Mickey Twitter. We got to take a break. When we come back, we have a guest, and it is Blake Topmeyer. We got to we'll ask, ask him, him if he likes LinkedIn. It's Blade and Mickey. Happy birthday, Lucas. I love LinkedIn. Blade and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Is this, is this a, Wonder here. That's right. Is, is this 1996? I don't know when this song came out. Oh, Hard my time goodness, lovers. man. Did you just press a button on your birthday? Oh, well, it is you your birthday, I, so we'll give you a break. I know Stevie Wonder? Well, no, it's all right, but we, you know, we, we were having a – it didn't fit what we were you know, talking about here. You know, all the social medias that you hate. And yeah, then, that uh, question. Mickey remembered uh, my, my 96 You went eight season. and eight. That's yeah, where the whole Jeff no, Fisher thing two, came two from. Games. <laughs> Maybe you won two at home. Maybe that's what you remember. We'll have to look at your home and away record. Maybe you won two that at is, home, and that's what you're thinking. Oh, man. All the seasons start running together. But I, I can tell you who was the defensive end who led us in tackles. So. The guy who played four years for random select memory. That was very random because I knew you. I would have bet anything you wouldn't get it. Let's, oh, hey, man. Blake Topmeyer is going to join us a couple minutes. Let's take a couple of phone calls on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. Yeah. Doug. We had and social then, media hatred. Yes, we on. do. I don't know if Doug wants to go that way. Maybe he's remembering past things from the Astrodome. Maybe that's oh. it. Doug, what's going on? Hey, I'm going to try to reel this in. Since Blaine's giving shout-outs to everybody on LinkedIn, Facebook, and look at his birthday, <laughs> let's see if he can give a shout-out to the players that were – checking out in the lame duck season if you don't want to throw those guys under the bus <laughs> how about just name the position that it checked out <laughs> there i'm oh. definitely never going to throw a player under the bus but it was some guys that for sure checked out i was like what so i just started running around just flying <laughs> i mean you could turn on the table and say hey man did blaine all of a sudden get real fast <laughs> he ran by a lot of people into two three man that dude but I, I, you know, I didn't know any other way. So to their credit, uh, they might have been saving their body or something. I don't know, man. Yeah, it was some guys that definitely checked out for sure. <laughs> Can't do it. Won't do it. All right. We won't throw anybody under the bus. Let's get uh, Mike in Englewood. Englewood always up to no Mike, good. I can't remember. What's going on, Mike? Hello. 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 Well, uh, y'all were talking back top of the hour about the uh, medication that yeah, acted as a life. Yeah, Mickey was up there drugging talk- people up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I was just caused me to think: is it me or, or has AJ Brown had a couple of his best games of his career 
since he had a little run in at Chipotle. Ooh, oh. Well, you know, he is a little bit lighter. I think he lost 8 to 10 pounds. Sure did. Uh, but, no, nah, he's back. He's getting back into form. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, they, they haven't missed that. And miss a beat him in uh, Tanny time. So, yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll take it all day long. As long as he's available on game day, he can do whatever you want to do. Play like that. Sure can. What was it? Eight for 133 and a touchdown. He had over 100 and a half, didn't he? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, he looked. He looked like he's look like he's uh the number one, number one A. <laughs> That's a second round draft pick. And this is a team that had trouble identifying a an A plus wide receiver. Because remember we talked about well, who's the best best Titans wide receiver? And it was always, well, Drew Bennett and Derek Mason, you know, since mm-hmm. then. You know, and Dice when he was healthy, all of respect to Dice. He just had some unfortunate injury stuff. Mm-hmm. But as far as more recent guys that they had drafted. You know, Drew Bennett was the one guy that always got named. Oh no, you cannot forget. You forget Kendall Wright. No. Okay. Apollo Creed. Oh, Kenny Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Apollo Creed, man, he was pretty. He was up and down, but uh, he definitely put a, put on a show every now and then. That was like, whoa. And then you thought you could see it every week, and it just never happened. But he he definitely had some uh, some highlights. Throughout his time with the Titans. He had every physical tool that God could oh, give a human wow. being. Yes. I mean, yeah, he did. Just ridiculous tools. Yeah. Uh, ridiculous writing tools. That's Blake Topmeyer. He joins us now. Hey, Blake, we got so many side topics going, but let's start with this one. Which social media platform do you loathe the most? I hate LinkedIn. I'm just going to say it right off the top. Yeah, and if you don't like one, you, we, we don't want to press you into not liking right. one. Right, you can like them all. It's fine. <laughs> uh, well, to tell you the truth, guys, I only have two social media platforms. I have Facebook. I have Twitter. I don't really use my Facebook, and I only use Twitter because I sort of feel like I need it for work. So right. um, I, I kind of would like to have none uh, if it were up to me. Wait, 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 wait. All of the above. So, so this does this mean that you're uh, forty and older? Nervously. No, if I was older than forty, I would love Facebook. Right? That seems to be the crowd that, that loves the Facebook. Now. Hey, watch the out! There's some over forties you're talking to here. <laughs> hey, man, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benjamin Button over here, ages in reverse. Yeah, no doubt about it. Blake Topmeyer, our guest. All right, he wants to be off all social media, so do not reach out to him on Twitter at btopmeyer unless you have something nice to say. Uh, what's the latest on this uh, Jeremy Pruitt and the lawsuit? I know you've been covering this really well for USA Today Network. What, what is the latest, and where are we on this? Well, we're sort of approaching this October 29th deadline set by uh, Jeremy Pruitt's lawyer, oh, Michael right. Lyons. Uh, for Tennessee to, to settle or expect a lawsuit. I mean, Tennessee has, has shown no signs of, of settling. I think if you, you read the comments that I reported from, from Tennessee's general, general counsel in, in that letter, I mean, that didn't seem like a side that was ready to settle. And, and so I suspect, um, you know, unless, unless something surprising happens this week, that this deadline will, will come and go, and um, at, at which point we'll see whether whether Pruitt's lawyer was was bluffing or not, he of course uh, insists that he he was not, and that he'll that Pruitt will follow through with with filing this lawsuit. and And I would think that he would, right? I mean, m- most people, when there's twelve point six million dollars on the line, they're not going to to go quietly into the night, and they're not going to go away without a fight. And uh, regardless of what you thought of of Jeremy Pruitt as a coach, he he never struck me as the type of guy who was just going to say. 
oh, okay, you don't want to give me my money? That's fine. I'll just go home. I mean, this this strikes you as a guy who's who's not going to be afraid to to take off the gloves and pull out the brass knuckles. And uh, if things need to get get dirty in the ring, then then so be it. So that that's sort of what I would expect. And um, you know, as I reported on, on Sunday, talking to a couple of legal experts in this arena. Um, basically three words uh, come to mind when, when um, you think about what's ahead. Number one, costly. Number two, uh, lengthy. And number three, invasive. Um, and, and those are the three words that would describe a lawsuit um, if it is to come. And those three words would, t- would apply to both sides, uh, both to Jeremy Pruitt's camp and to the University of Tennessee. I think that's what we could expect if, if this does indeed come to a, a breach of contract lawsuit. Well, Blake, let me add to that just some, you know, some quick questions here. Who has more to lose if you went through the court system? Uh, and then how do you um, see this ending? I think probably Tennessee has more to lose. I mean, if you look at it from – I know there's an argument of, well, isn't, isn't Jeremy Pruitt burning down his bridge back to college football if he, if he goes through with this fiery lawsuit? Well, I mean, my argument to that, I guess, would be, well, how firm is Jeremy Pruitt's bridge back to college football anyway, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, Tennessee just kind of got the blowtorch out on Jeremy Pruitt uh, in that January press conference, um, you know, which I'm not saying Tennessee shouldn't have, have done. That's debatable. But, um, you know, I, I don't think Jeremy Pruitt has a great path back to college football right now regardless. And I don't think the NFL could, could give a hill of beans about this. I mean, I, I don't think, uh, you know, the NFL is going to be like, oh, Jeremy Pruitt's, uh, you know, alleging, <laughs> uh, you know, X, Y, and Z about his former employer, the NFL. I mean, you guys know the way the NFL works. They're not going to care about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for Pruitt, what does he have to lose? I mean, I think his reputation could, could certainly be tarnished if this comes to, to a suit and, um, and the discovery that, that Tennessee could get into. But I, I would argue that his reputation's pretty much already been trashed as it is, uh, and he has a job. Now, the New York football giants are not playing particularly well, so how safe is that job? I don't know. But all the more reason he probably wants to chase his buyout money, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so for him, you know, I don't think he comes into this from a real great footing um, in terms of his reputation anyway, so I, I suppose I would say what's to lose. Now, for Tennessee... I guess it depends on whether uh, whether there's any real meat on the bone to these allegations that that Pruitt's lawyers making um, in, in this letter. If if there's if there's no validity, if there's no evidence behind any of these allegations that that Pruitt's lawyers making, then then I suppose you could say Tennessee doesn't have much to lose. Um, but if there is, uh, then then yeah, I would say Tennessee stands to have um, its reputation further tarnished and and. You know, if these allegations do have some meat on the bone, then, um, you know, then it could extend uh, above and beyond uh, Pruitt's football staff. Like Topmeyer, our guest. Okay, I've got one more for you, and I've seen other people ask this same question because there was a similar case, and the lawyer actually went to jail. Basically, it was extortion. Why, why is this not extortion? When you say, if you don't do this by this date, then I'm going to do this to you. It was you. by a coach? No, it was another lawyer. Yes, it was a sports case. And, Blake, I can't remember who it was now, but the lawyer actually went to jail. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not a legal expert, but I don't really see extortion here. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt has a contracted right to his $12.6 million buyout unless Tennessee can show that it fired him for cause. Now, Tennessee um, believes that that it's well-founded here. 
to fire it for cause, and it said that from the start. They believe the evidence uh, will support its decision, and and if this thing goes to the finish line, we, we might find that a, a judge agrees with Tennessee. Uh, but again, while adding the caveat that I'm, I'm not a, a legal expert, I mean, you know, Jeremy Pruitt was was a contracted employee. This isn't. We had the case of of uh, you know a former Louisville basketball coach, assistant coach, a couple years ago that tried to shake down Louisville some for some money, or, or he was going to go to the press and, and make all these um, allegations to the press. Well, um, he was slapped with extortion. But the difference there, from where I see it, is uh, he was not under contract. Like his contract expired at Louisville. He had right. no contracted right okay. to anything. Um, and so that that equated um, to basically a shakedown. I mean, Jeremy Pruitt had had a contracted right to a twelve point six million dollar buyout unless he was fired uh, in good faith uh, for cause. And that's what Tennessee says it, it's doing. And Tennessee is, has set up to this point. It, it believes it can prove that it was right in doing that. But I think um, you know I think the move here from from Pruitt's camp is sort of what you would expect. Um, and as one lawyer told me last week. This is basically a, a typical complicity war move that a lawyer would often do in this situation. Uh, I think it's clear from Pruitt's lawyer that he's trying to show that Tennessee was complicit in, in this. Now, whether whether he'll be able to prove that, time will tell. But I don't think it's atypical um, if, if your client was fired for, for cause of wrongdoing uh, for a lawyer to then say he's going to show uh, that others within the organization, including members of, of the administration were complicit in this wrongdoing. I think, you know, it's pretty much a standard move. Now it's just a question of uh, which side has, has the evidence on their side. Mm, and now has some of the compliance people been fired as well, correct? For Tennessee? The compliance folks? No, um, I'm not, not aware of that. They, they did have their, uh, their head of football compliance uh, was was moved along to, to another, to another job was not retained, but it was not, part of those uh those january firings okay. uh but yes there has been there has been a change uh in the head of, of football compliance um at tennessee I, I i don't know that that was termed a, a firing though but uh we all know how that can sometimes work i was thinking of michael avenatti and nike uh is the thing is the thing that i was thinking of oh, where he okay. actually uh wound well up i just kind of look at it in broad brush just as posturing and then now tennessee has to call his bluff mm-hmm. and that goes on in the court system all the time, uh, and you know, when you're, you know, <laughs> trying to get your money. So that's kind of how I see it. Uh, we're on with uh, Blake Topmeyer, SEC columnist for the USA Today. Uh, I guess uh, next, uh, let's go on to UT. And what did you think about Bryce Young and crew, who's probably uh, one of the lead candidates for the Heisman at this point in time, uh, and uh, UT losing the game really in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I was having a debate with with some folks uh, in the media in recent days whether we should be chalking this up as a as a moral victory or not. And I know fans always cringe at that term moral victory, and then they explain it as something else, which is basically a synonym for a moral victory. <laughs> um, so whatever whatever it is, whatever term you want to call it, moral victory, or using some other semantics to describe it, do you think it's that? And and like, you know, I guess in some sense, I kind of think it is for Tennessee. Um, on the other hand, uh, you look at the, the stats here. The, the, the stats say Alabama dominated this game. I mean, they had 33 first downs to Tennessee's 10. They had like 200 additional yards of offense. And, and some Alabama sloppiness contributed in, in Tennessee hanging around. I mean, 
how many games can we think of in Nick Saban's uh, dynasty where, where he's, his teams have just dominated special teams? This was the reverse of that on Saturday night. They had the roughing the punter penalty uh, that extended a Tennessee drive inning and touchdown. Uh, they had a, a blocked punt. They had a fumble inside the, the red zone that ended in one drive. They had another fumble at the goal line from Bryce Young that uh, they, they were very fortunate did not end another. So I think, I think a lot of Alabama sloppiness contributed to Tennessee hanging around. That being said, you know, if, if you would have told me coming into the game that, that Tennessee would only been down uh, by seven points early in the fourth quarter, I, I probably uh, would have said, no, it'll, it'll be more lopsided than that. But you know, these, these moral victories are, are a little tricky because if we remember, that was sort of being applied to Tennessee's loss to Alabama in 2019. That game was competitive into the second half, and there was the infamous Jarrett Garantano fumble at the goal line. And, and you know, at the time we thought, like, is this a sign that Jeremy Pruitt's getting it figured out? Well, he really wasn't in hindsight. So I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think – I think uh, Tennessee's a little bit further along than I would have thought they'd be at this point under Josh Heifel. I think Alabama, as we're starting to see, um, you know, is not as consistent as a lot of Alabama teams in the past. They're not as dominant, uh, at least on a week-in, week-out basis, as a lot of Alabama teams in the past. And and so I think it was, for me, just sort of for, further proof um, of both of these teams' identity. But, well, you know, when it comes to Tennessee – I think overall, um, even though the record's four and four, and that's about where you'd probably expect them to be at this juncture of the season, I do think what we're seeing on the field suggests that, you know, Josh Heifel might be uh, exceeding the expectation through eight games a little bit. I mean, he's not blowing it away, but I think he's exceeding the bar a little bit through eight games so far. Mm. We're on with uh, Blake Topmeyer, SEC columnist for USA Today. And I guess I'm going to move on to the Georgia, Florida, and First of all, who's starting quarterback for both teams? And, and Dan Mullen, I, it seems like the, the fans just, I don't know, they always disgruntled with, with Dan Mullen. Uh, what's, what's his issue <laughs> this year? Yeah, Dan Mullen, um, he has a little bit of that Butch Jones in him in that, like, when he's winning, uh, you know, all, all these things he's saying sound okay, you know, but when he's losing, it's just like every time he steps to the mic, it's like, no, just, just cut the mic, just cut the audio. They, nobody wants to listen to that, you know, and, and, and Butch sort of had that quality about him too of, of when he was losing, it's like he was almost losing twice because then you had to listen to him at the, um, at the mic. And, yeah, it's, you know, I think, I think some folks are suffering from an overreaction when it comes to Dan Mullen. You know, you, you hear, you're hearing the word overrated thrown around a lot this season. I, I suppose that depends on who's doing the rating and what the rating is. Um, you know, I still think Dan Mullen's a really good football coach. Um, you know, he, he's gone to three straight New Year's Six Bowl games. You know, I don't think overnight he's just become a trash coach. Uh, I do think that, however, he deserves all the criticism he's getting this season. This season has been a total bust uh, for Florida. I, I think uh, he was stubborn in, in not wanting to go to, to Anthony Richardson sooner. Um, and I think at this point, you know, he almost has to, but it's kind of too late to save Florida's season at this point. On the other hand, with Kirby Smart, he, he's got an interesting dilemma on his hands, as you alluded to as well, of, of Stetson Bennett versus, versus JT Daniels. I mean, for the longest time, I was thinking Georgia cannot win a national championship in this era of college football with Stetson Bennett as, as its quarterback. But 
I don't know. I mean, he's, he's doing everything he's, he's asked to do, which at times is not a whole lot, but he's doing it. And what he's asked to do, he's doing it well. Georgia just keeps dominating one team after another. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, it, I think in some ways it's going to be hard for Kirby at this point to, to pivot away from Stetson Bennett. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm beginning to think Georgia can win a national championship, mm-hmm. regardless of, of which of these guys is, is quarterback, because, um, you know, I mentioned this era of college football. We expect a, a 2019 LSU or a 2020 Alabama, but I don't see that type of offense out there this year. Um, and in lieu of that, I think we could have like a, a throwback champion, which is really what Georgia is. They're like one of those throwback uh, Alabama teams from, from the earlier days in, uh, in Nick Saban's tenure. Like Topmer, SEC columnist for USA Today. Hey, we've already seen one college football lose his job over vaccine refusal, and, and now we've got Brian Harson at, at Auburn, and he basically, I guess, won't, won't say whether or not he's vaccinated. He had spoken a little bit on the subject. I know he actually had COVID. But now there's this deadline looming at Auburn to be vaccinated or, or not work there. This seems like, Blake, it could get pretty interesting unless he just comes out and says, I did it, and everybody can move on. Yeah, and, and let's not let Mike Leach off the hook either because he, he falls into the same category. Mike Leach has not said whether he's vaccinated, and now Mississippi, uh, their public university system has done the same thing. They've also set uh, a December 8th deadline. So, yes, for, for both Harson and Leach, those are two guys all along that have been coy with their vaccination status. Um, and, and up until this point, um, you know, there was an argument about whether that was the right thing to do or not for them to, 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 to um, embrace privacy over transparency. But now it's even more relevant because of this, um, this mandate that their employers ha- have set. Um, and some, some backstory on that. The reason these employers are setting this is because they say they're federal contractors. They get millions of dollars of federal contracts um, from the U.S. government, and so this stems back to, um, you know, the, the the White House executive order back in September, uh, President Joe Biden's executive order. So, you know, regardless of, I'm not going to presume that anybody's going to take medical advice from a sports columnist, and, um, you know, regardless of where folks land on the, uh, the vaccine mandate debate, I think it's undeniable that this is bringing uh, distractions for these football programs. It's bringing drama uh, for each of these football programs. And this is an industry we hear college football coaches say all the time, like can't have any distractions, can't have any, any drama. Well, Brian Harson and Mike Leach, they have the power to end these distractions. If they are vaccinated, um, they could choose to be transparent about that in this drama, in this distraction, um, and say, Hey, I'm vaccinated. I'm going to, I'm going to meet the mandate. You don't have to worry about me. Uh, I'm vaccinated. I'm good. Or if they're not vaccinated, uh, they could say whether they plan to comply with this uh, with this December 8th deadline to be vaccinated. If not, what they are doing is they are inviting this to just be a, a prolonged distraction, prolonged drama, which is what we saw happen at Washington State, ultimately leading to Nick Rolovich getting fired. Um, and if they're not vaccinated, they're essentially playing a game of chicken uh, with their employer and, and saying, are you really going to fire me or, or are you going to chicken out here? And you know, I can say, you know, maybe Brian Harson and, and Mike Leach don't owe me anything. Maybe they don't need to tell me whether they're vaccinated or not. But if I were a player in that program, if I were a rec- recruit, if I were a recruit's parent, if I were a donor, uh, I'd want to know, hey, coach, are you vaccinated or are you intending to play a game of chicken um, and, and, and maybe get yourself fired come December? I would think those people would, would want to know that. I think that that's only fair 
uh, for them to know whether these whether these two coaches uh, intend to be in compliance with their employer's policy, whether they already are privately in compliance with their employer's po- policy, or, or whether they intend to to risk losing their job come December. Well, before we let you go, uh, we know we asked you a question coming in about your social media, but going out, who do you have in the World Series? Braves, <laughs> Astros. Uh, I. You know, guys, I'm a Marlins fan. It's oh. it's kind of surprising they do exist. I'm I'm we're about 20 deep, uh, and I'm one of 20 Marlins fans. So I have a hard time going with the Braves. Oh, okay. So I, I suppose I'll Astros. go with the Astros. I just as, as a Marlins fan, yeah, um, you know, it. like I said, there's only there's only like 20 of us, and, and we just have a hard time <laughs> picking the Braves. I think. All right, an enthusiastic Astros endorsement there from Blake Topmeyer. Yeah. Follow him on the Twitter that he hates at B top Meyer. And uh, you can get all the latest yeah. from him as he covers the sec. Thank you, Blake. Yeah, Thank yeah absolutely. Thanks a lot guys. Yes, sir. Blake top Meyer. When we come back, uh, we give not actual footballs, but we award our ceremonial game balls to top oh, Titans each week. We'll do that next. If you want to join the discussion, six, one, five, seven, three, seven, one, Oh, four, five. You can do it in zone TV chat or hit us at Blaine and Mickey. Has informed me we're running a little low on time in this segment, so we will save our ceremonial game ball giveaway until two forty-five. That'll give you more time to join us if you want to. Uh, we give our game balls each Tuesday to uh, Tennessee Titans players after their game of the week. Oh, well, we can do two o'clock too, even though it's come on before uh, we have our guests on at three twenty. We can still talk about it a little bit. Well, one of us could go. <laughs> one of us could I, I go. I think I have like six candidates. Six candidates. Yeah, that I'm gonna. You're going to award six game balls. Yeah. Well, there's no limit. I mean, technically, we yeah. only we would limit ourselves. Why would we do that? Why would we choose to limit ourselves? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm brable. I feel like if I want to give out six game balls for offensive guys, I can do that. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah, it's literally your show. Yes. To do that. Yeah. He's going to send those balls to uh, to us. You got a few of these game balls. Do you, do you want to do half of your six? Oh, half of my six? Yes. Uh, okay, well, I, I'll just do... Uh, you could do half of your... If you have six... Okay, well, I, I'll go with just one of uh, offensive uh, game balls. I'll go offense. Okay, let me ask you this, though, just before we started. I'm just out of sheer morbid curiosity here. Is it like two offense, two defense, two special teams, mm-hmm. or do you have like five on offense? And No, I have three. Okay, three on offense. offense. Okay, That's okay. what I'm okay. doing. There. The other ones, I, I'm going I'm to probably just do one apiece. I, I have two, I, but I'm going to just do one. But I, I'm going to do offense, so since we have a short period of time. Since it was National Tight Ends Day, I want to give it to Pruitt because he's been playing well, just not enough to give him a game ball. But he got the, you know, the King Cat pass. Yeah, right, King Cat. Yeah, you and, and Mike Keith's uh, term there, Mike Keith. Yeah, the he, King Cat call. But he's been making some critical catches and, and been fired up the whole time he's been here since he got here this this season. So I, I want to give it to him, especially since it was National Tight Ends Day. Didn't he catch the one, two down the railroad tracks right down the middle? That was a great throw by yeah, Tan. Yeah, right down the middle against that cover two scheme. Yeah, sure he got did. him. Yeah, so he, he had a good day. And then, uh, naturally, I thought Tannehill played, uh, I, I thought, fairly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I think he's starting to get, people are going to start giving him his just due. He's beat some elite quarterbacks along the way. Two talented ones just here the last six days. Yeah, two yeah. who people would have said maybe That's the top cool. two in the and NFL. This last one for offensive player is a name we don't even know, and I couldn't even tell you his first name, but I know you do. And that name, his last name is Hart. Yes. Uh huh. And I really want to give it to all the role players that came in and did their job and to 
enough, I guess, to win the game. Uh, not to say that they, you know, going to be starters, but this could be, you know, something can catapult you whether you're with the Titans or somewhere else and you continue to do this kind of job, then you'll be able to be a starter in this league. So all those role players, we can go down the laundry list of those guys. As a former player, I really appreciated those guys because when they came in, they held the fort, and you have to show you believe in them as well, mm-hmm. not just at practice but also in the game to reinforce it, and that builds confidence for those guys who aren't out there all the time. So, yeah, I really appreciate you know, the laundry list of guys, who, and Hart is one of them, but since he's on offense, I named him. Uh, There's a lot of defensive guys. It's interesting because a caller called in either either yesterday or Sunday night during the postgame. Maybe it was yesterday on, on the show that the calls kind of run together, and he said – these guys play great. How long do you think these backups can hold up and play this well? I thought that was a real interesting question. Well, typically you you don't really know, but you would hope, you know, you sometimes you ask some guys maybe get a scope or something. So you want to say two or three games. Mm-hmm. That's really, to me, that's two, three, four max because they can start exposing some of their weaknesses uh, at some point. The example for that was Borders. Borders yeah. played last year. You went back, watched the game. You said, I like him, but he's got some limitations. Now that he's got 50 plays on tape, people will scout borders. And then literally the next week, they did things to him that you said, this is what they can do. And then the next week, the team did it. did it. Yeah. And so I don't know if these guys had the same, you know, issue. I just could see it. I think borders is a good solid backup in this league. Right. Uh, So, yeah. So that's what happened. That's why you're the backup. You got some limitations in your game. Everybody does, even as a starter. Mm -hmm. But if, you you know, some of them are more glaring, (laughs) put it that way. Uh, no, you know, there's no perfect player anyway. Uh, even the starters have uh, chinks in their armor. Uh, so, yeah, it just, hey, so I'm I'm just excited for those guys. Get that opportunity. You know, you're, you're waiting for that opportunity. You're a special team guy the whole way. And then you get in the game and you perform well and your team does well. So you weren't a, you know, you were part of winning and not part of the process of losing. Mm-hmm. It is funny to me, you mentioned Hart. Hart had not played in a game all year, mm-hmm. and neither had Greg Maben. Greg Maben played every play on defense. Mm-hmm. I think Hart wound up taking 42 snaps. And that's – they're not in football shape. They were on practice squads. They practiced, but they had not physically gone out. And they both veterans. They played in games in other years. Neither one – it's week seven. Neither one of them had played in a game this year. Mm-hmm. Maben played every play on defense. Hart played 42 with huge defensive linemen trying to kill him. Just a fanta- fantastic job by both those guys. Matthias Farley. I mean, a bunch of those guys. Mm-hmm. Farley had a nose for the football. Uh, what he forced a fumble and recovered a fumble, and and then you, and Crookshank, you know, who did a great job on tight end. <laughs> Kelsey, who the, his last performance when he got an opportunity didn't play so well. Yeah, uh, so that's cool. Uh, so I, I, I real quick uh, before we go to break, I'm gonna give out my defensive guys. Long has been playing well the whole time, junior, and got to give it to him. He's everywhere. He's like a missile. He's like. You know, he's sick and missile out there on defense. So I love the way he's been playing this entire time. But also I like the way Archer been playing and he came away with a sack. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he was causing havoc pretty much the whole day. Sure was. Archer. So, yeah, I, I like those guys. So I know we got to go to break. Special team is going to be good since I'm going to give my all mine now. I'm going to just give it to Kern at two uh, inside the what, what five, ten-yard line, three-yard three line. Two to the both. three. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty special coming off COVID and a groin injury, and you don't miss a beat. That's tough to do. Also holding all those kicks for Randy, who's been yeah. perfect lately, been yep. hitting all his kicks, knock on wood. Um, needed every point that he got against Very Buffalo valuable. and a nice showing against Kansas City, too. Uh, and they just got him off Kicker Island a few weeks ago, but here he is holding his own. Uh, we'll hold our own for one more hour. 
Uh, Coach Mack said to join us in the 2 o'clock hour. We'll get deep in this Titans run. We'll look ahead to the Colts. We'll do all that more in about 25 minutes right here. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.